Good morning, everyone. Good morning. If uh, we've not met and you're thinking, why is that priest so small? I am, um, my name is Freya. I'm a member of this church, and Graham, our vicar, is away today. So he asked me if I would preach on this, these two passages. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. That's right. It is still Easter. There are 50 days of Easter. Um, so if you're usually just with us on Easter Sunday, um, surprise, there's still a lot more Easter to talk about, and you should still uh, be working your way through a vast amount of chocolate uh, to properly honor the Lord. Um, but in some ways, I think that is a good thing to have 50 days of Easter, because if the biggest, most ridiculous thing in human history has happened, I think it's good that we not move on too quickly. We need some time um, to process it and to work out what on earth has occurred and um, what that means for us. And these are long, complicated um, passages, um, but I'm going to try and not go for too long. So if you want to turn with me to Acts 3, where we just were, from 12 onwards. So um, Peter and John just for some context. Peter and John have been at the temple and they've met a man who was begging, um, who um, could not uh, walk. He was crippled from birth. Um, And Peter has healed him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And obviously this has drawn a big crowd. And Peter gets up and he addresses the crowd. He uh, explains the miracle. He gives them um, a kind of very confident theological explanation of Jesus the Messiah and he calls them into repentance and new life and it's really bold and it's really articulate and it's really impressive Um, and if you notice he even says we are witnesses to these things he's echoing that language that Jesus used to the disciples in Luke he said you are now witnesses to these things but if we go back even just a couple of chapters Peter was denying Christ three times in public. Or even later, when the women return from the tomb and they say, Jesus isn't there, he's risen, Peter does not take their word for it. And even in the Luke passage um, that Jonathan read for us, the disciples were all together, and some of them had just come from Emmaus, and they said, we met Jesus on the road, and he ate with us, and he's alive. And they still don't believe it. So how did he get from there to here? This really short space in the Bible, and yet it seems like a complete transformation. How did he get from, I don't know this man, I never knew him, to the rock on which Christ builds the church? Because if I am honest, that is what I want for myself. That, just that bridge of that distance. Something to happen to me, so that I am like full of faith and full of boldness and will sustain my ministry forever and I can just like wind myself up and let myself go um, and it will just be all plain sailing from there. Because um, I've been a Christian for nearly 25 years now and I think what I've worked out is it's a lot of effort, okay? Every time you think it's done, something else just happens. Every time you think you've got somewhere, there's a new place to go. 
And I feel like if whatever happened to Peter could just happen to me, I could just do the rest of it on autopilot. Like, it would just come so easily to me. Um, so what happened? Did he find a new barber? Did he go on a really good public speaking course? Well, I think that Pentecost has something to do with it, and uh, we'll get there in about mid-May. Um, but what I want to talk about today is something in particular, which is Peter's encounter with a resurrected Christ. Um, and there's a few important things about that that we get from these two passages uh, that I want us to reflect on today and kind of over the next few weeks as we keep processing Easter. So the first one is this. The resurrection is physical. Repeat. The resurrection is physical. Um, when I was in my final two years of school, uh, the school, which didn't have a lot going for it, um, announced that we would be doing student committee elections. You could run for a spot on the um, like sixth form council. And um, a boy, let's call him Jim to protect his identity, decided that he wanted to be secretary of the student council. And there were two other candidates uh, for secretary and they stood up at the hustings and they made their pledges and their promises. They talked about their own characters, what they would do for the school. And Jim got up and Jim decided not to give a speech because Jim had a talent and that talent was the ability to eat a whole can of hot dog sausages in under 60 seconds. And so the music started and he stood bird-like, not even chewing. And he managed to, managed to get the whole can of sausages down his throat in under 60 seconds. And two things happened. One was that he won by a landslide, and the second was that he vomited quite violently. Um, but I want you to imagine all these 16 and 17-year-olds um, gathered round Jim. Somebody's filming it on their phone, obviously. Um, kind of absolutely rapt attention for 60 seconds, like... Is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Can he do it? Surely nobody can eat that many sausages in that, in that amount of time. And I think that is what it would have been like to be uh, in the room with the disciples when Jesus appears and says, have you got something to eat? And they bring him some fish. And then they're like, is he going to eat it? We don't, we don't really have... Um, much in the Bible about what the kind of ancient Jewish conception of ghosts was, but it seems like a universal, like just known folklore thing that, um, you know, if you give a ghost some food, it'll just fall through them. So they're gathered around him watching him, and he's like, and he eats it. He's real, he's material, he's actually there, they can touch him. The Christ who has tasted death on behalf of all of us can still taste broiled fish. Have you ever had this situation in a restaurant um, where you've been waiting a while and then the waiter comes out with the food and you just involuntarily get tears of joy in your eyes? At least one other person. Yes, that is me. Josh will attest to this. And... Um, but imagine if the waiter came out and you got all this excitement and then the waiter was like, so actually the food is more of a spiritual concept. It's more kind of abstract. So we're not actually going to bring you anything to eat. 
We're just going to kind of imagine the food in our hearts. We're going to talk about it. We'll maybe see some pictures or descriptions of it. Um, but you're not going to get to eat it. That's not the same thing. Um, if Jesus is a ghost or he's just alive in our hearts or it's just our like precious love for him that keeps him alive, that's nice, but we may as well all go home. And that leads me on to my second point. So first point, the resurrection is physical. Second, the resurrection is vital. The resurrection is essential to our understanding of scripture, and it's essential to our understanding of redemption. So the Bible pretty firmly uh, prohibits worshipping the dead. So if if Jesus has died and he's just sacrificed himself and stayed dead, we shouldn't really be worshipping him. And if Jesus is just a really nice dude who is helpful to our political causes and like a good person to mine for our like inspirational quotes for our Twitter bio, why was he always saying to his disciples, they're going to kill me and in three days I'll rise from the dead? Why was he sending them out to preach forgiveness to all nations in his name? This is not an interpretation we've added on because we can't deal with Jesus' death. It's something that he said about himself, and he said all the prophets and all the scriptures were leading up to it. In rising again, Christ has demonstrated his divinity. He has made good on his promise of forgiveness. He has freed us from the slavery of sin and death. And he has opened the way of resurrection to us. This is um, really difficult to understand. It's really difficult to believe sometimes. But we have one another to encourage us. There have been times when I have barely been able to drag myself to church, let alone stand up, let alone sing. But looking around at other people full of faith keeps me going. As well as that, as well as each other, we can ask for what the disciples got in this passage. It says in the Luke passage, he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. And um, when you see um, other passages that happen between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, this seems like a common thing. So he'll like appear somewhere, everybody will freak out, he'll show them that he's physical and real and risen, And then it says, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Um, But it kind of glosses over how he does this. Um, We don't know if he kind of pulled out the scriptures and just kind of went line by line explaining. Um, Maybe he breathed on them or laid hands on them. I quite like the idea that he just kind of head-butted them and it finally went in. Um, But something, something changed. After three years of dragging around with him and him explaining things to them and them just not getting it, something happens and their minds are open to the scriptures. And that brings me on to my final point. So the resurrection is physical, the resurrection is vital, and thirdly, the resurrection transforms us. Jesus, um, not Jesus, Paul. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that if Christ had not been raised, our faith was futile and we were still in our sins. It's not just Jesus that comes out of the grave. Think of that man who was begging, who was healed. 
Think of Peter touching the risen Christ, having his mind open, receiving his Holy Spirit, becoming part of the fellowship of believers. Somehow, they transform him from denying Christ to being willing to die for him. And something shifted in Peter's thinking. Because when he's being asked about this man who was begging, who has been healed, he says to the crowd, this was not through our own power or piety, but through Christ's name, who has won victory over disease and death, and who cares even about our temporal physical bodies. That is very different to the Peter who um, was quick to violence to get things done, who was obsessed with being right. He's finally seeing Christ as he is, not how he would like him to be. And that doesn't make him, or any of them, perfect or like absolutely pure of intention or devoid of emotion. They don't become like apostolic automatons. In fact, it says they are startled and they're terrified and they're doubtful and they're joyful and they're disbelieving and they're still wondering all at the same time. But when Jesus says, can you bring me something to eat? They do it. I don't think Peter would have ever got as far as feed my sheep if he couldn't be trusted with bring me some fish. We are not expected to survive just on that one special moment of Easter Sunday. Jesus appears to his disciples. He sends them his Holy Spirit. He gives them one another. There is no one quick fix. That means we can go from here to here and just stay here forever. There is never just one moment that will take us from being the Peter of Luke 23 and become the Peter of Luke 24. We get to slash have to go on feeding on Christ, go on experiencing his forgiveness, being filled with his Holy Spirit, obeying in small things that become big things. We have to go on choosing to stake everything on the resurrection. Because what happens after this? After Peter gives this amazing speech that blows everyone away, that shows that he's understood Jesus, that almost mimics his words exactly, gets arrested, gets put in prison. And then that leads on to being able to testify in front of the elders and leaders. And then that leads on to getting arrested again and put in prison. And that leads on to an angel opening the doors and then leaving. And then that leads on to them being apprehended again. And then the opportunity to preach to the whole Senate and so on and so forth. More healings, more miracles, more stories of renewal, but more struggles. And all this is done all and only in the power of the resurrection. Christ's resurrection is the gate on the other side of which is renewal and refreshment and struggle and reward. I think um, uh, for some of us, hearing those words again and this whole kind of Easter tide brings it up again that we're just not sure that this is the sticking point you know, Christmas, fine. Baby Jesus, fine. Jesus dying on the cross for us, fine. 
but the resurrection feels like a, just a step too far for our intellect. And if that is you, uh, I would really encourage you um, to do Alpha and examine what you think and be really honest with yourself. But so for the rest of us who have got as far as believing the resurrection, I think um, there's something else, which is to believe that it can transform us. Um, so I'm going to pray for you, and then Zoe is going to lead us in some ministry time. Um, but just before we do that, could we all just close our eyes briefly if we're comfortable with doing that? Um, and I want you to think about um, something, might not be in your own life, it might be in someone else's life, it might be in the world, where you look at it and just think, Lord, that is in need of your resurrection power. In our human strength, I can't see a way through there. I can't see any hope there. It might be um, physical healing, like the man at the gate who was begging. It might be the renewal of our minds. But just um, without making too big of a deal of it, just hold that situation in your heart. And I'm going to pray for us. Loving God, thank you that you come to us in the midst of our joy and our disbelief. Would you make us people that are hungry for you and for your presence? Would you help us as we encourage each other Open our minds to scripture. Open our minds to truth. And would you so transform us on and on over the years with your resurrection life that wherever we appear, we too would bring life. We ask these things through our risen Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Freya. Let us remain in that attitude of prayer. And Ruth and Chanti will lead us in some response songs. <laughs>